grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and from the Holy Spirit. Amen. Last week was a tremendous week as we went through Holy Week, taking a look at that story of Jesus of Nazareth going from the triumphal entry to Golgotha to an empty tomb to the risen Lord that we know today. Amazing things happened here at Christ Memorial. Our attendance on Easter, for one, was the highest attendance we've had since Christmas 2018. God is doing incredible things through Christ's memorial, so praise God for that. Today, we keep that in our mind, that story of the resurrection, that, that reality of a risen, victorious Lord. Uh, but then we look at one of his 12 who receives a rather unfortunate nickname, a rather unfortunate epithet that goes alongside an incident in his life. We'll talk about that more in just a moment. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for the work that you are doing in us and through us. Lord, I thank you for the chance that we can come together and worship you, whether here in person or online, wherever, whenever that may be. I pray that you focus our hearts and our minds on you. Lord, I submit myself to you to speak during this time, and I pray that all who hear this would be willing to do the same, to submit themselves to your Holy Spirit, that we may know your truth, they may know you fully. In your name we pray, amen. Oh, Thomas, uh, known as Doubting Thomas, and perhaps that's a bit unfair, we'll see why in just a moment, but I think when we really think about our own lives, there's probably a shred of doubt within all of us, right? If we're being honest with ourselves, I think we can all kind of see that there's a little bit of skepticism and as I, as I was thinking about it, right, because if you remember on Easter, uh, I spoke explicitly to those who think that all of this is a bunch of mumbo jumbo, right? Uh, this whole thing, you know, their parents made them come, their grandparents, whatever. Um, and, and hopefully they, that sunk in. Hopefully the Holy Spirit worked on, on those folks and, uh, and they're able to hear this message today. Um, but I think for all of us, there is part of faith that almost necessitates a sense of skepticism. I think that there are three categories that we kind of fall into, right? There are those who believe, but sometimes wonder. There are those who wonder how anyone could believe. And then there are those who wonder if I'll ever be able to believe again. Maybe they had that belief. They, they were here as a kid. They, they knew God more when they were younger, but something has happened and they're not sure if they can go back. And I think the, the thinking on that is powerful because we have to recognize that faith, the very concept of faith necessitates not fully knowing, right? That's what Jesus is saying at the end of our gospel reading where he says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet still believe. There's a sense of like, I, I haven't seen it in front of me. And so perhaps there's a little bit of doubt. And if we're being honest with ourselves, there is that shred of wonder within us. Because you can't look at a book of like Revelation and go, yep, whatever's in there, I buy it all and I understand it all. Because it's just complex. It's confusing. Sometimes even we look at what Jesus did as he walked on this earth and you think, okay, I understand the story. But like, how? Why? What was going on there? See, if we're honest with ourselves, we, we all have that wondering within us. 
The trouble is we're not always honest with ourselves. Oftentimes we just put up this, this false front of confidence. Say, no, 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 I've been going to church my entire life. I, all of it, yep, I'm on board with that. And actually of my three categories, right? Those who, who I believe, but I sometimes wonder. I wonder how anyone could believe or I wonder if I'll ever be able to believe. There's actually a fourth category that I believe all who wonder are lost. It's that false confidence of we shouldn't ever question our faith or God. And unfortunately, that can be incredibly damaging because later today, after this service, we're gonna need an opportunity, some of the, the elders, et cetera, we're gonna get together and we're gonna ask the confirmands some questions. And there'll be the standard ones, you know, what's the Apostles' Creed, what's the third commandment, that kind of stuff. But the question that I have in my mind is, what do you wrestle with the most? What part of your faith is the toughest for you? Because the reality is, if the front that we put on is that everything's hunky-dory, that everything, we believe it all, top to bottom, left to right, Genesis to Revelation, the whole nine yards, what that communicates to them is that when they have questions, they're doing something wrong. What that communicates to them is if they're going, now, wait a second, this doesn't make sense. That starts to shake them. If the answer is, no, just believe it, what's gonna happen when they get to high school? And they start to question, what's gonna happen when they get to college and somebody asks them a question that they don't automatically know the answer to and they haven't been trained to say, I don't know, let me look. I've talked before how I used to teach middle school religion. And I remember that one year there was this one kid, it was a sixth grader, and um, he was a self-professed atheist. And he prided himself on asking the tough questions in class. And he was very intelligent. He was able to ask very good, tough questions. But he, he had this thing where he would like ask the question, and then he was so smug that he wouldn't listen as I was trying to answer him. He was like, oh, I stumped the pastor. I'm like, no, 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 listen to what I'm saying. And what I would always say is it's great to ask questions as long as you listen for the answer. And far too often in our society, we don't necessarily do that. And so when it comes to the church, when it comes to God, if the mandate is just blind faith, that's gonna be really difficult for a young person or quite frankly, of any age that is coming into the church for the first time for them to buy into. Especially in this day and age where it seems like every other article is labeled as fake news. And we're taught to think about things critically except for when you're in the church. See, at the very core of faith is the understanding that we don't know it all yet. That one day we'll be, get to be in heaven and say, God, what's the deal with mosquitoes? Why are they around? And I don't understand this. Or what actually happened when you turned the water into wine? Was it a Merlot? Are we talking a Cabernet? What, what are we working with here? Like Revelation, what's going on? What even is going on in Revelation, right? We'll get the chance to ask that question. But right now, right now we have limited perspective. And so sometimes things just don't make sense. I've talked before about my two dogs, uh, Bonzer and Quigley. They're little mini Australian shepherds. They're great. Uh, Bonzer's an old man. He's 14 and a half years old. Uh, Quigley is still a young puppy, just two. Prior to Quigley, before Quigley, we also had a Tucker. And Tucker was, uh, well, Bonzer and Tucker are complete opposite personalities. Bonzer is just as intelligent as could be. You can teach him any trick. You could say something to him. You could see him like working it out in his head, right? I'm pretty sure he could do quantum physics if he could talk. Uh, and then Tucker, well, Tucker was cute. 
You know, he's one of those, like, well, you're good to look at, but there's not a lot going on up there, right? That was Tucker. Uh, and so the, the thing that always stood out to me, and I've said this before, is when you went to offer them like a treat, they had completely different reactions. See, Bonzer would like curl his lip and be like, mm, I don't, mm, what is it, sirloin? Mm, I don't know about that. Whereas Tucker would like bite your hand off. He'd be like, give it to me now and give me more. I need more and more. And I don't care what it is. And see, these two mindsets, um, they really would get them kind of in trouble because bonds are missed out on a lot of things because we're like, well, fine, if you don't want the steak, I, I can't help you. But then Tucker, for instance, one time I dropped a jar of marmalade off the shelf and it exploded and he wanted some of that marmalade and he got a little bit of glass too. Um, he was fine, but it was scary in the moment because he just dove on it and didn't think to ask questions. See, when you have these mentalities, there are gonna be issues. Because not everything's poison, right? Not everything is wrong. Not everything is broken, but it's not always bacon either, right? And it's the same thing when it comes to as we learn things. When we come to even know more about God, I encourage you, look things up. Don't just take my word for it. God will hold up to the testing, I promise you. God will hold up to your questions. Look in the Bible, see what it has to say. See how it speaks to you. That's kind of more the intellectual side of doubting. I want to talk more about what Thomas was going through because I maintain he wasn't intellectually doubting. He shouldn't really even be called doubting Thomas because what Thomas was actually dealing with was emotional trauma. He was dealing with hurt. See, Thomas, like the other disciples, had given up his life had given up his very identity to follow Jesus. This, this Jesus of Nazareth who was teaching these amazing things and doing these incredible things and, and he gave everything about himself to follow Jesus, to help others find out more about Jesus. That was what he was all about. And everything was going great for a couple of years until Jerusalem, until Golgotha, when suddenly everything that he had staked his entire existence on died and was shut away in a tomb. And he was going through trauma. He was mourning, not just mourning the loss of a friend, but mourning the loss of the hope that he had, mourning the loss of his identity. He was hurt and he felt alone and he felt betrayed. And so when the other disciples come to him and say, we've seen Jesus, he's alive. He said, no, 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 no. I'm not gonna get hurt again. I'm not ready to trust again. I will never believe again is what he says. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've experienced some hurt in your life. We're not talking about God right now. Maybe, maybe you've experienced a hurt in a relationship where, where you gave everything to somebody and they turned around and stabbed you in the back. And you're saying, I will never love again. I will never enter into a relationship again. I'm done with this. Maybe it is something to do with the church. You look at, at how the church has treated you. You look at something that happened in the church. You look at some of the things that are in the news and say, nope, that is not for me, never again. But then for Thomas, in the span of a paragraph, he goes from, I will never believe again to my Lord and my God. His questions weren't, why did Jesus die? How did Jesus die? What do you mean he's alive again? No, his questions were, no, I'm hurt and I can't do this again until Jesus showed himself. Said, go ahead, put your hand there. Feel the spear, spear point. See, where are you 
on that journey, going from, from I will never believe again to my Lord and my God. I will never trust again to I believe in you. From God, I don't think I even want to acknowledge your existence to God. I trust in you. It's a journey that we go through. And too often we let our hurts and we let our scars define our life. I've got two scars, one vertical, one horizontal, here on my knee. Because when I was in high school, I played a lot of sports, football, baseball, et cetera. I was on the weightlifting team. And after weightlifting practice one day, the rest of the team, we decided to go play some basketball, just pick up game. And as you're we playing, I went up for a layup and somebody tried to block my shot and we collided and my legs kind of swung out from me, underneath me. I landed on my left leg with it locked. Uh, I tore my ACL, tore my meniscus and had an impact fracture of my tibia and my femur, is that the other one? I don't know. Um, it was bad, not a good situation. Zero out of 10 would not recommend. Um, and and I, I couldn't put any weight on it. I went in for surgery. They fixed everything that was there. Everything all healed up, except for I still was on crutches. Because my body, even though structurally it had been repaired, structurally it was sound, A, I hadn't built up the strength yet. And B, I didn't emotionally, physically, mentally trust it yet. That's what happens to the hurts in your life. That's what happens is sometimes you, you may deal with the structural issue, but you're still mentally not ready to trust yet. You still haven't built up the muscle around it yet. And in that illustration, see, I could have gotten mad at God. I could have said, God, where were you in this? Why did you let this happen? It was right before I was supposed to go to college. Why did you allow this to happen? But the reality is like, it was my fault. I was the one out there playing basketball. I could have gotten mad, and that's what happens, right? We have our relationship traumas, our relationship hurts. When it comes to God, usually the hurt comes from like an unanswered prayer. Maybe it's something big, like, God, why did you let this happen? Why has the cancer come back? Why did you take my friend away? Why did you take this person away in my life? Sometimes it's something big. Sometimes, I know, because I'm a pastor and I hear people complain about this, sometimes it's something small. Like, why did my property tax bill come back so high? Or, or why did I hit every single red light and made me miss that meeting that could have been big in my life? Sometimes it's the little things, sometimes it's the big things, and we get so mad at those unanswered prayers. What we need to recognize is the suffering that we experience in this world, it's because this world's broken. It's not God's fault. It's because we are adding to the sin of this world. I, I didn't blame God for hurting my knee. I did that. That was me doing that. But then it takes time to rebuild that trust, to rebuild that understanding, to rebuild that strength. And in the illustration of my knee, God was the surgeon. God was the one who brought the structure back. God was the one who said, no, 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 the, the issue that you caused by jumping in the air and landing wrong, like that's your fault, but I fixed it for you. That's what Jesus did on the cross. That issue that you caused of sin, that, that thing that's really gonna cause you bigger issues later on in life, if it doesn't get fixed, guess what? I fixed it for you. But over time, you need to build up that strength again. Over time, you need to build up that mental trust again. And the thing is, when you have an injury, when you have a hurt, you can either rebuild it, get stronger, or you can let the muscle atrophy. Say, well, nope, I don't trust that ever again. And unfortunately, that happens to a lot of people. The folks that were here last week who aren't here this week, who say, hmm, I don't know if I can ever trust the church again. You're letting that muscle atrophy. 
My friends, the challenge we have when it comes to our doubt is being willing to ask the question and stick around to hear the answer. The challenge we have is never fully knowing until we get to go to heaven. The challenge we have is not fully understanding because our brains can't fully comprehend the vastness of the glory of God, can't understand the plan that God has in this world. And so sometimes we get hurt. The question is, what are you going to do once you're hurt? Are you going to quit and say, I'm never going to do this again? Or are you going to take the time to get to know God, to listen for God, to get to recognize the hope that comes with healing. Because that's the thing. For Thomas, he didn't hear like a booming voice say, Thomas, stop doubting. Trust me, everything's fine. No, what did Jesus do? He appeared to him, and he appeared to him in a very humble way. He said, Thomas, I know you need proof. I know you need something. So here I am. God says the same thing to you. Maybe it's not the big booming voice you're looking for. Maybe it's not the big magnificent sign. Maybe it's a small voice that says, yeah, I'm here. I'm working in your life. I'm talking to you through this person, through this sermon, through this moment. I brought you to church today so that you would hear this. How's God speaking to you? So that you can go from, from I will never do this again. I will never believe again. I, I wonder how anyone could believe to my Lord and my God, having the hope that is found in a God who knows you who's willing to pay the price for you, to, to repair you, to bring you back to health, who will never leave you or forsake you. No matter how many times you run away and say, I'll never do this again, God's still there. He's still waiting. And he still loves you. One last thought is notice what Jesus says every time he appears to the disciples there in our gospel reading. He shows up in a room and suddenly there's like a guy staying there. And what does he say? Peace be with you because he knows that's what they need. They're in a time of hurt. They're in a time of trauma. And he says, peace. To you sitting here today, I say this. I don't know what hurt you've been through. Whether it be relational because of the, the hurts of this world whether it be the struggling that comes with, with a medical diagnosis or a bill that's too high or, or the loss of a job. Maybe it's that the church has hurt you, or you feel even that God has hurt you. I pray that God gives you the strength to rebuild, to see him at work in your life, and that most of all, through Jesus Christ, through the message of salvation and forgiveness, through the gospel, that he's able to look at you and say, peace be with you. And he'll walk you through those questions so that we can know that we have a God we have a Lord and we have a Savior. Amen? Amen. Amen.